This is episode 227 of the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Control and Compound Financial. They teach real estate investors how to multiply their wealth using infinite banking strategies. For a complimentary wealth coaching session or to learn more, visit www.controlandcompound.com forward slash Andrew Hines. Welcome back to the show. Today, I have Francesco Peretta with me and he is a real estate investor who's doing stuff on both sides of the border. We actually initially met back in March at my Investing in the US Mastermind. He's come out to many of my monthly meetups since and I've got to know him and I I wanted to have him share his story here on the show. A couple of things about Francesco. He's also a realtor here in Ontario and he works with investors. He's developing a property in Hamilton. He's done flips. He's kind of done it all here and he's taking his skills south as well uh, with his first property, which is an Airbnb and family vacation home in Naples, Florida. So we dug into the numbers, what he's looking at now in Naples, uh, what was going through his mind when he decided to invest down there uh, because there's so many people who who just you know see these barriers to entry when they're thinking about cross-border investing and uh, i love having people on to share that it's it's really not that hard uh it is something that can be done uh it's really just a matter of your team so i think you're going to get a lot out of this episode just before we jump in i want to remind you that the monthly gta west rei meetup is happening this week and i'd like to see you there it'd be great if uh, you could come out meet our fellow investors meet our community uh help each other grow uh it's it's really uh, as simple as that it's a completely free event really just designed for you to help you get to where it is that you want to go. If you're interested in attending, please make sure that you RSVP on our group. The group link is in the show notes for this episode. Once you're accepted to the group, just add yourself to the event and that way we can let our uh, venue know how many people are going to be attending. So without further ado, let's jump into episode 227 with Francesco Peretta. Welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I've got uh, Francesco Peretta with me today and I could pronounce it super Italian, but you don't pronounce it super <laughs> Italian. So uh, I guess that'll do. <laughs> yeah, that'll do, it's right, it's good. Yeah, well, uh, so Francesco, the backstory on how we came to meet was you came to the Investing in the US Mastermind and we uh, connected over Naples, Florida and what, what we're both doing down there in Southwest Florida. And uh, you're an investor up here. So you've got some multifamily uh, property here and you also are an active realtor and we're going to talk about everything in between. So uh, anything I didn't cover there? You no, want to give me a little you, bit of the backstory? You got, it, you got it just about right. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah, no, you're investing in the US uh, mastermind was incredible. Um, and yeah, that's how we connected. And and now I enjoy the monthly meetups that you have going on. So it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I love it. Uh, I love doing those and like just kind of having people like like we wouldn't really be that well connected if we hadn't talked a few times since and stuff. Yeah. Like it just gives a chance to like, kind of like make real estate friends. Yeah. We see each other all the time. Yeah, no. Um, so what, uh, like kind of what led you into the space? Cause I think real estate's in your family from the notes you sent me, uh, beforehand. Yeah. So my father was always a real estate broker and he was always, uh, investing as well in real estate. So mm -hmm. mostly multifamily. Um, we did some flips as well back in the day. Um, but yeah, no, so I, you know, that's what my father always did. Then I got into real estate in 2008. So from 2008 till now, I've been full-time realtor. Um, and my, I guess you want to call it side gig is now, you know, also building my own real estate empire. Okay. Nice. You don't look like you've been doing real estate that long. 
Yeah, well, I, I take that as a compliment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like I feel like my son's given me a few miles uh, in the last <laughs> last couple of years. Um, you have kids? Yeah, yeah. I have a four year old and a seven year old. Four year old and a seven year old. Man, yeah. you handle it well. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean they're they're at school. You're sleeping now, so yeah we we still don't really sleep it gets better you yeah. just gotta let them age a bit i think we might be going through the dreaded 18 month sleep regression so it's just uh <laughs> it is what it is but uh cool man well it's it's good to uh to have you here and kind of go through this stuff so why don't you just take me back to um where you started in your real estate investing and then we'll get into what you're doing now yeah absolutely so um Basically, around 2011, 2012, I started getting into basically doing renovations and flips and stuff like that. I flipped a condo. Then I did a basically a burr on a triplex mm -hmm. uh, in Toronto. Um, these are both Toronto properties. And then I walked away from that and I bought some new construction, realized that I'm not really into that pre-con game. Mm -hmm. uh, numbers don't really work. And... It's the only property I've ever lost money on. Really? I like my business partner, Mike, like swears by it. It's how he made himself. <laughs> There's some people that have made yeah. themselves and some people that haven't. And yeah. I think that, you know, it's, it depends on how long you can hold it after mm -hmm. it's finished. Um, because uh, what I've experienced over the years, uh, not just with my, my own experiences, but with also with clients' mm -hmm. experiences, is that uh, the minute that project is done, you have the flood of properties and the flood of available to release. Yeah. So until you can ride that wave and those units get absorbed whether they're being leased or whether they're being sold the it's like the race to the yeah. bottom and i think sometimes these developers have a in their agreement whether you can sell pre well pre-occupancy assignments all that kind of stuff yeah like they don't want you marketing the property for sale while they're still selling theirs i i've never bought pre-construction so this is an interesting topic and i'm glad you brought it up because i had uh simian papilius on Pop alias, yes, uh, yeah, on the show, and uh, you know, very smart guy, and he he went through some pre-construction numbers, and I totally botched it on that episode. Like I uh, I got distracted, and I made a mistake in my spreadsheet. So I had a guy reach out to me. He's like, "Oh, those numbers don't add up. Like pre-construction doesn't work anymore." And I really wanted to just do like a pre-co episode, which I don't think this is necessarily going to be, but I did just want to get your take uh, because there are clearly still people doing it. So how are they still making it work? Is it that they're getting better pricing or it really is coming down to what you're saying? And as long as you don't need to sell it right away, you're willing to hang on to it for a little bit. So what I've noticed and the few of my clients that have been successful in it, they're buying um, with developers that offer like a three-year rental guarantee. Ah, uh, yes. Then what ends up happening is yeah. the um, the property management company runs it, they rent it out, but they give you a guaranteed rent. Right. So then it's like your numbers are predictable. Your numbers point. are predictable. You know what you're buying. You know what it's going to be in five years, mm -hmm. um, you know, from start to finish. And then after that three-year contract is up, you can have mm -hmm. the choice of either selling it or leasing it yourself or figuring out what you want to do. Um, I've seen situations where that works. I've seen situations where that doesn't work. Mm -hmm. um, I, I have a, I've, I've got one that was pretty interesting. There was a client that had bought a property in downtown Toronto, like Lakeview property. Um, and the rental contract was for 2100 mm -hmm. a month when she signed it like probably six, seven years ago now. Right. This is, it's expiring this June sometime. Yeah. The property management company has been renting it out for 2,600 a month. Oh, so they're getting more? They're, they only have to give the 
the landlord 21 what was guaranteed in the guaranteed contract yeah. but then she can now she can yeah so she's yeah. gonna be able to get that rent now but it's so yeah. like crazy that to think that this property management company who works for the builder mm. is getting the surplus well i mean i guess it's part of the risk they take yeah, the builders the probably you know they might be in the red at some time yeah. and then they you know they realize that they'll benefit uh the thing i noticed uh, like from simeon's episode is that he was like he was quoting what the standard uh property appreciation was in toronto from year to year and that's something that pre-construction buyers are paying attention to like if you're signing today yeah. you're going to look at historical what's the last 25 years look like in toronto on average and i don't see in my world i typically never banked on that stuff but it I seems don't. like they they pretty much have to in that in that industry you have to because a lot of the time when i look at the numbers i feel like i'm i'm paying tomorrow's price today mm-hmm I'm not on pre-construction. Yeah, today's price so today. today. No, you're paying tomorrow's price today. Yeah. So like, and then you're you're looking for tomorrow's tomorrow's pricing when you yeah like, <laughs> when you close it. How much of a stretch yeah. of speculation is that? I've always said it. It doesn't feel comfortable to me, um, and it was never really my bag. And the reason it's come up more recently, and why I've wanted to kind of look at it, is like there are other people who have the total opposite, and they're like, "That's how I made myself," and that's I swear by that. And I'm like. I need somebody who's done it in the last six months to just come on and lay it down for me. Like what, how does it work? You know, and I've had a few people reach out. So I was thinking about doing like a zoom, like four or five different people all chime in and like, let's, let's hear it. That's a great idea. And let's you know, hear it. You know, it it's kind of one of yeah. those things where it's the same thing with like the people that do like Airbnb arbitrage where, you know, if you're not in that field, you have no clue. Right. And, and to me, it feels foreign. And that's, that's the problem. And sometimes when something feels foreign to me, um, you know, I don't ask the best questions around it, uh, and I don't get as deep as I want to. Totally. So, so that's why I want to kind of dig deeper on that one. And because let's face it, in any strategy, there are people making money and losing money. <laughs> so that's, it's not so much which strategy, <laughs> it's how you do the strategy, yeah. right? So what do they know? What, what do people who do make it work know? Are they just lucky? I, I have a hard time believing that they're just lucky. I think everybody in the GTA market has, has been, been lucky. lucky. Yeah. Oh, I've been lucky. I've been lucky on my on my burrs. I've been lucky on my flips because yeah. like pretty much the entire environment I've ever done any of that stuff, the market was going up. The only time that's not been true is in Florida with my most recent one. Yeah. So my first one, I basically got what I thought I was going to get when I when I agreed to do the project. I actually got a bit more, but because of some unexpected expenses, it ended up being a little bit more, a little bit less profitable than I expected. We'll call it that. Sure. But I mean, that goes yeah. with the, you know, yeah. flipping is flipping, right? I mean, but in that market, people sort of do the same thing as well, right? Like you, you might look at it and you'd say, well, in my worst case scenario, if prices stay the same, I'm not making all that much. But if prices keep doing what they've been doing, it'll look a little bit better. No, it will look a little yeah. better. And that's where like, you know, if there's time, time is your, you know, the, it's the greatest asset, right? Yeah. So, you know, the, even though there's holding costs, if you can yeah. wait till the market appreciates and you yeah. have maybe a plan B of renting it or you have something else, I mean, you have options. Yeah. So your strategy, and I know I kind of cut you off as you, cut you off as you were telling your yeah, story. No, okay. So your strategy is, is obviously not one of speculation. No, are, are you, you're not factoring in any appreciation at all? None. And I typically don't like when I'm looking at stuff like I common sense, I'll, I'll look at a two or 3% because that's sort of matching traditional inflation. But and over the long run, you should see that. However, in the short run, anything could happen. Uh, you know what? I just think of it as gravy. I'm not. I, I'm not going to bank on it at all. Yeah. I'm not going to even put it in a spreadsheet. I never have, and I don't expect to. 
Yeah. Yeah. I yes. Mean, and I've seen people do both. Some people do, some people yeah. don't. But I, I agree that it shouldn't make your deal. No. Your deal should work without it. Yeah. Yeah. So what uh, what happened next? You were into some pre-con, pre-con decided yeah. that... I think that's also a very slow-moving strategy. If you want to be an active investor, it's it's not really an active no. strategy. Yeah. So, and then uh, basically, uh, well, I got married mm-hmm. and had kids and spent time working on my own property. Uh, built my own property to basically say, this is our house, this is our thing. You know, let's let's yeah. go to it. Um, and then what I did was just recently, maybe about three years ago, was uh, basically leverage that and expand. And so I expanded into Florida, mm-hmm. bought in Naples, Florida, um, bought these properties in Hamilton that I'm currently working on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I expect to, to grow in both places. I don't necessarily say all in on Florida, mm-hmm. not necessarily all in in Toronto or the GTA or even Hamilton, I find that I want to be balanced. Yeah. Well, and I think that that's good, right? Like there aren't that many investors out there that don't have diversity in their portfolios, right? Like they're going to have a little bit here, a little bit there. And uh, the occasional, like, you know, depending on where you're at, you might, you might have all in one basket that you're watching really closely. Yeah. But uh, that's an, er- that, I, th- I find that's typically a more early strategy, not a long-term strategy. That's like a, in the short term, some people will do that. That's I've true. done it. Yeah, I it's mean, the same here. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. Sometimes when the situation calls for it. So Florida, why Naples? I'm assuming it's because you had vacation down there and you really liked it. Um, like many other people that uh, during COVID were stir crazy and just wanted to get somewhere mm-hmm. where all the restaurants are open and yeah. you could just go about and live your normal life as if there's nothing that's yeah happening. as if it was a normal world literally like yeah. you would be down there and mm-hmm. nobody's wearing a mask nobody's doing anything and you're just like living your life and yeah uh so we went down there my wife and i with the kids and mm-hmm. we were looking around at real estate um we lost out on quite a few properties it was a very hot time in mm-hmm. 2021 um, the early part of 2021, and we we finally ended up grabbing a house uh, in the Naples Park area. Yeah, um, and we've been using it as a as a rental, and we've also been enjoying it. And you said you don't have a pool in that one, right? No, no pool. That's the, the weirdest thing in Florida. Bath, 1700 square foot, um, nicely landscaped. Yeah, um, but a 1970s house. And you guys still crush on that one? Like you're getting over yeah, 100? Yeah, we're doing good. We're doing good. We're doing good. <laughs> what's what's like a an if if you didn't rent it yourself, like if you just if you just had it rented out to others the whole year, what what do you think you'd perform on that on an annual basis? I think we would break just a hundred. Just a hundred. Just a hundred. Yeah. yeah. And we we're look. You know what? We're anywhere between. Uh, like I would say an average would probably be about 350 to $400 a night if you average mm-hmm. out the whole year. Yeah. Um, but we were obviously using it for a portion of that time. So yeah. it kind of, we haven't had a year of financials, like true financials. Oh, um, because you're always interrupting it. Yeah. Well, not it. just yeah. that is like we, we switched property management companies in the fall. Yeah. Um, so do you don't track it yourself? No. Well, no, like I, I track the payments in my bank account. But <laughs> so, so when you say 100, is that before the management fee? Uh, that would be... Net of the management before, fee. Oh, before. Oh, before it? Okay. Yeah. So if I was running it myself, I'd yeah. be over and that. What are, you, what are you paying for management on a 15. percentage? 15. Okay. Yeah. So that's that's doable down there. Yeah, that's what Matt said too. I wonder if you guys had the same. No, nah, yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. I even the previous property manager to this one was 15%. I hear yeah. some of the more reputable companies are like 20 
Yeah. Um, the person that I'm using now, she's actually like a close family friend. It's pretty awesome. Um, and like there's a trust element. Yeah. The previous guy, it was disaster. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's why you switched. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. That's the hard thing. Like for me, I fired a lot of property managers for one reason or another. Cause like, you know what? Like it's a classic thing. No one cares about your property as much as you do. No. And my, you'll see some pretty crazy stuff. My property was rented out without me being known or without it being known to me. Like he was renting it out to people but not telling yeah, you? Yeah, and not even telling me how much. And then when I asked him to, you know, send me oh, yeah. a statement or something, he goes, no, no, I'm not sending you a statement. <laughs> he probably like, and I'm I'm being serious, like he, he might not even know how to do a statement. Like there are guys who are just that unprofessional. They just don't know how. You know, I, I yeah. know. I think he knew what he was doing. I think that yeah. he just expected that a lot of maybe um, foreign investors that own so properties did, in the area just give them full reins and whatever yeah. check they get at the end of the month they're happy with. Yeah. But the minute you start inquiring about like, well, what do you, you know, what yeah, did you get it's per not night? not transparent. No, yeah. there's zero transparency. Yeah. So did he end up stealing money from you? Uh, he did not give us money for September rentals until we sent multiple letters until January 15th we got paid this year. Hey, that's better than the guy that I had in Ohio that he just rented my place out and took oh, the money. Oh, I, I still don't know for, for the fact yeah, yeah. of what I actually was supposed to be paid. He yeah. just says, this is what you get. I for sure know that guy stole my money. <laughs> <laughs> also money sent to him to renovate because he was going to manage the renovation. Yeah. Also stole that. Uh, lived <laughs> off of it. So in, in it's just so weird you're dealing with people like that. And yeah. Like they make you feel bad for like asking I mean, or they try. They try to make no, you feel they, bad. No, they try to. But yeah. I mean, look, listen, you know what? Yeah. We're, we're all in business. There's nothing. Yeah. Like I've been in property management. I've done property management. There was a point in time where in my real estate career, I wasn't necessarily so busy. So I was just all in on property management in the early years. Yeah. And I had many clients and there is transparency. Yeah. Oh, I give them totally. multiple quotes for everything. Here you go. Here, here's what I paid out. This is mm -hmm. the e-transfer. This is the check. This is whatever. Yeah. You know, I just need to get refunded for that. Like there's not, it doesn't yeah. need to be so complicated. Yeah, for, for sure. It doesn't, um, it, it should be straightforward, but you kind of need to know best practices. And I think it, it works really nicely to have hired some property management before you start managing because yeah. you kind of get a feel for what's offered, what's included, how to run it right, uh, yeah. what to do, what not to do. And uh, it really allows you to grow in it. I think property management is massively underserved. I think it's an opportunity. Like I, starting a business because everybody talks about it like it's a dog's breakfast. <laughs> but because they do that, like property managers in Hamilton are getting like 8% seven percent yeah you know if you can narrow down your neighborhood mm -hmm. and only work that neighborhood i think you have a business case but you don't necessarily have a scalable business case yeah. most of the property managers that i've met over the years they do really well because they're hands-on and they do it themselves and they only run a certain number of properties and they just mm -hmm. run those properties yeah and they can control it the minute they have to hire out staff to build this company, yeah then it the it's like it's almost a diminishing return that yeah. is just not it's it's then you have a whole new problem then you're building an organization and building an organization is a new challenge we were just talking about this before so you were watching the mad episode saying i need to hire more people well yeah well i mean yeah like, i mean he's hiring people to do uh, specific jobs and roles i mean yeah. i think you know when you're hiring a property manager dealing with tenants directly and you know negotiating you know payment of rent yeah. and you know that type of stuff it's like they're like 
very specific skills. You need a very specific personality. I still think it's doable. I, I still really do think it's an opportunity. It's just I've seen a lot of um, poor professionalism in that industry. And I think it's because it's so easy to start up a property management business and it's so easy to get out of that. So the ones that really are that professional are hopefully the ones that have been around a long time. Um, or at least they're going to have a certain level of professionalism. Uh, but like you said, it's it's tough for them to scale. They're not necessarily going to be right on top yeah. of it. But if you did a property management company in somewhere like Naples, Florida or something or anywhere in Florida. Yeah, where you have a clients, and, clients and that want it. Yeah, And you're doing short-term rental. Yeah. And you're making 15% plus cleaning fees. Oh, yeah. Okay. Now now you're talking. Like Oh, yeah. Even like, like even down that's there. That's profitable. Even, yeah, they, I, there are lots of people making 20%, but it sounds like in Naples, the competition has forced it down. Correct. But yeah. even if even if you're no. at 15% and you, you're you managing five properties at, you know, yeah. that are grossing $100,000 a piece, well, you know, right there, that's quite a bit of I money. Think, I think 100 is, is low for Naples Park. I think your scalability on that income is huge. No. Like, I, if you add in the pool, you can go to, you can go to 200. Correct. Yeah. But I'm just saying, even if we were very conservative yeah, with the yeah, numbers, yeah. how difficult would it be to manage the ins and outs for five properties? Yeah, five properties, not hard. Imagine, not hard. imagine 10. You can turn that into, say, that's $150,000 income a year. Like nothing. And, and yeah. you know, the crazy thing is, is that the cleaner does basically everything for you as a Yeah, once you set up the pieces. You just need a good cleaning crew. And yeah. what I've learned is on like the Facebook groups and stuff like that, the cleaning crews, you can find lots of them. The cleaning staff is actually pretty easy to find. Yeah. And once you get them in and they teach them. You think it's easy? Yeah, I do. I like that. You want to help me find some cleaners up in Tobermory? <laughs> Tobermory is a different story. Yeah. Florida, hey, well, said Florida, it's easy. Florida yeah. seems to have an abundance of these people. Yeah, that's but true. I don't know. Yeah, you know okay. To get staff up to Tobermory is a little different story. A little bit different. They need a yeah. place to stay. Uh, the problem I have up there is that uh, if there are open units, they're on Airbnb. Yeah. They're not, they're not staff accommodations. So did you have family in the Naples area? So I have um, I have some family that are in Marco Island. Okay. And uh, also have uh, a family friend that's in Marco Island. And then one of the contractors that I used to do a lot of renovations with, actually I did the triplex project with him like a decade ago and quite a few other projects. My family's always done with him. 10 mm -hmm. unit buildings, five unit buildings, like all, all the different yeah. stuff. And he moved to Naples in 2013. Okay. Um, he, oh, he just moved there. He's packed oh. up and he's like, I'm out. That's amazing. Yeah. He packed up. I said, I'm out. And he uh, started a construction company in Florida. Um, I'm guessing like an E2 kind of situation. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. an immigration visa. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And uh, he's been there since and he loves it. Is he helping you out down there? So his girlfriend is the one that does my property management. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So it's like you have that connection. It's like you, you feel yeah. totally comfortable. Yeah, that's a really good arrangement. Uh, but, you know, just back to that that property, I, I think, you know, what's really cool there is down the road, if you want to if you want to do something, you can. But I think we were talking about this at one of the meetups that you have like a killer rate on a 30 year mortgage there. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So we have a 3.25 30 year mortgage. Yeah. You could probably blend and increase that. But yeah, you don't want to touch it, do you? I don't even want to have that conversation with the 3. bank. 3.25. So it cash flows then for you, this yeah. place? Yeah, it totally cash flows. Yeah. Like uh, how much would you say approximately on a monthly? Are you well, able? just to give you an example, my expenses, including mortgage payments on a $525,000 loan, original loan amount, um, I'm at 58000 US. 58000 and all expenses in? All expenses including in. Including that. Yeah, insurance, um, yeah. everything. 
Okay, and you have flood insurance and all. I got flood insurance. Yeah, okay. And you're doing so you're you're clearing like thirty thousand a year. Comfortable somewhere around there. Yeah, unless you rent out of a whole bunch yourself, then yeah. I mean, it it eats into it a bit, but it's it's not too bad. And then like even from like tax purposes, the account like kind of like uh, yeah, they do like a percentage of days that you're there versus yeah, it's rented and so most people, um, I would say not in our circles necessarily, but even in our circles and investor circles, look at investing in the US as this daunting task. And I asked Matt Pichetis when he was on, you probably saw that too. What are your thoughts? Do you consider it to be a daunting task? What made it so easy for you to just pull the trigger and go down there? Were you worried about double taxation and all those other issues? No, I mean, one phone call or even one Google search shouldn't annihilate that question. Well, somebody posted posted that on on, uh, one of my videos. They're like, well, I've been on the fence for a long time. My biggest hurdle is that I'm worried about the the tax treatment or the double taxation. I'm like, that's a phone call. (laughs) Not not even a phone call. Literally, you go like, uh, there's like a few, like I was Googling the other day for a friend of mine. I'm just like, he wanted me to send him the links Hmm. because he was like, he didn't believe me. Yeah. And I'm like, literally, you just Googled and I'm like, uh, Canadian owning um, rental property in the US taxes. And there was like a whole bunch of things that came up. Yeah. And if you're owning it personally, yeah, you just, you pay, you're paying wherever you pay the highest tax rate. Yeah. Is that how you do it? Personal? Yeah. I, like well, this yeah. property is personal because I got yeah. a personal mortgage. That's the reason why oh, I got yeah, a such yeah. great rate and everything like that. You wouldn't have been able to do that if it was in a company? I think you still could. No, not through like a Canadian bank. Really? Oh, I heard they still would, but maybe not I misunderstood t- TD. it. Not TD. They TD's wanted you to own it personally. I have an email from them saying- They said you need to own it personally. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah the only thing I, I don't love is like how public all the information is down there when you own something. Anyone looks it up. Are we on a public podcast right now? Yeah, we are. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was just having this conversation today. Like I'm, I'm pretty private. Like I actually, it's funny. Like people think, oh, you're super public. You look so comfortable doing this. Like sure. I don't actually like sharing like stuff on, on Insta that much. Like I, I don't really want to share my personal life that much. Um, it's just like, we're just chatting. You know what I mean? And we just so happen to be in front of cameras and, <laughs> and, uh, and sharing that. But I would post probably a lot more like my personal life if I was more comfortable with that. Um, but the big thing I think is, you know, down in the States is obviously you're going to want to have really good liability insurance in case, yeah. you know, being that it is more litigious. And as far as mailing address, do you have like a mailing address down there for all of like, you know, state registry purposes? So all of my mailing address is Canada. Just back here. So they yeah. just send all the mail up they here. They send everything up here. Yeah. It blows my mind. Like I get my like fpl like florida power and light bill that comes all the way it's up here. fired up here yeah it gets and crazy they don't do that on uh, like a electronic i think i'm set up for electronic on yeah it's probably the smarter yeah. more environmentally <laughs> friendly thing to do but uh, i haven't set that up no nah, i like letters yeah yeah i need a paper copy for my my tax purposes i put yeah. everything in a nice you binder. keep everything in it i oh, put everything man. perfectly together i uh, i'm very anti-paper <laughs> just for for organizational sure. like purposes i'd need a million filing cabinets yeah i get it yeah getting away from that these days so yeah okay so you got it set up that way obviously if you scale uh typically canadians tend to, to shift into that lpgp uh, yeah. model or they do a corporation where your canadian corporation owns it yeah, so those I, are what I've seen. Yeah, no, yeah. so you're totally right. So I've done the USLP mm-hmm. uh, for anything that I'm scaling into in the future. Okay, so or there if is I a refinance yeah. the current property, yeah, um, I, I'm still on the fence with the current property, whether I renovate it more and put a swimming pool in or I simply tear it down and build. 
Mm. It's kind of one of it's those on ones. That, it's, it's teetering. It's yeah. teetering. I, unfortunately, yeah. I'm just kind of on that yeah. teeter totter. Um, so yeah, and you don't want to put money into those properties when you're not sure if it's worth it. Because Carmen's been saying to me for years, like Andrew, like what would you do to this this house? Or we we talk about yeah. it at her Florida place in Quail Creek, cool. and uh, I'm just like I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't put any money into this. No. Like look at these houses all around. Like it's in a neighborhood. It's probably one of the the lesser nice houses in a neighborhood that has like five million dollar houses totally and so you know this house like it was under a million when she bought it but i recently saw a house that we thought was beautiful jordan and i and it was like 4600 square feet like yeah. really quaint looking we go down there this year and somebody tore it down like yeah. they bought it and tore it down and it was i looked it up it was bought for like 1.65 million as a tear down this is this is the thing like i've noticed like people don't really put value on even like a habitable structure versus a non-habitable structure like i feel like it's, it's like it's got to be what they wanted yeah that's the naples effect though yeah like, in naples it's got to be like spectacular it's crazy so yeah. you know what i'm just like kind of on mm -hmm. the fence i'm thinking more and more just like i should just build and the other reason is insurance i'm really concerned about flood insurance and being able to get it renewed again. My flood insurance yeah. uh, doubled this year and my home and owner's insurance uh, two and a half times. Your home insurance went oh, up two and a half times? Two and a half times. Because I just got some quotes, like I, I, or I just started two new policies and the first one, I think they were both over six. The one was over seven. Um, yeah, so we're like 11,800 yeah. a year between the two policies. Between combined. flood and insurance. Yeah. So it, I'm not taking flood because we're out of the floodplain. Correct. So but, now this is what I'm trying to say. If yeah. I built new. You could build it out of the floodplain. You build it out of the floodplain. You put the steel roof on. You get yeah. all your rebates for mm -hmm. your for your insurance. Mm -hmm. Like right now, we don't have that extra nail on the the joy or the rafters. And like there, yeah. there's a whole bunch of reasons why the Because it's so old, right? Yeah. And it's just like it's not cost yeah. effective to do all this work. No, no, not at if all. If you don't have the elevation. Yeah. Yeah. So are you like, so you're just not wanting to put a dollar into it then? I'm kind of like, yeah. And, and then as far as the roof goes, I've heard people say you need for insurance purposes every 10 years, you got to change your roof. If you have steel or clay tile, that's not. Yeah. Not, not, case. not true for those, but with asphalt shingles. Asphalt shingles, they will not insure you after 10 years. After 10 years. Yeah. So you just got to put that on your uh, deferred maintenance list. Yeah. It's and, a thousand uh, bucks a year. Yeah. $12, yeah. It was a $12,000. roofing roof. down there is extremely expensive compared to in canada the same job the asphalt shingles way more expensive there i also think it's like the way they actually do it though like, yeah they, they put more nails they're they, doing like uh six nails per per sheet six nails but also shingle. the they have like um it has to be weatherproof first okay. fully so they they do the tar down yeah we do that here too well we do synthetic but or, we use the ice and water shield yeah it's yeah. not really the same stuff they they're actually using torch, so like they're obviously they're, they're doing some more stuff yeah and for obvious reasons yeah but shingles obviously in florida when you have a hurricane you're going to be replacing some of them it's not it's not fantastic we we made it we didn't lose one you didn't shingle lose one? during hurricane i lost a few brand new yeah. shingles lost a few but we wow. got it fixed up yeah, but you're also, you guys were in more in the heart of the hurricane. So we were in the eye, <laughs> like literally uh, I was in the eye of the, like my properties were in the eye of the yeah. hurricane. So two of them that were like pretty far along, both had damage. The third one had just, we were just before trusses. So oh. no damage. <laughs> just and none of the trusses were ripped out. No, no, the trusses hadn't gone on yet. So oh, okay, yeah, good. the trusses got they delivered. <laughs> we continued on. No problems. Yeah. Nice. That, that one worked out super fortunate. So my first two. Uh, the timing it took way longer yeah. uh whereas this last one it looks like we're we're coming in right around uh the seven month mark that's uh, incredible to build it 
which is wild yeah that's amazing yeah i mean the permitting took longer but yeah. uh but yeah like that i can get into that's some timing i can i can get behind because yeah. for me i don't like waiting yeah <laughs> so yeah. where are you at with the with your expansion process like are you thinking more down there uh, or are you focused up here tell me the story so I'm, I'm focused in both like i don't think that you know i'm all in down there like i said yeah. or i'm all in up here no i, I do want to grow you down there grow as both. well yeah and there's a reason why i set up that uslp and i think that uh, I'm just kind of I'm going down there this summer. I want to look at stuff that can work numbers wise on annual and short term. Yeah, it's you hard think Florida is going to work for you. It's a unicorn in Florida. That is seemingly a little bit more of a unicorn. Yeah, like it's but, not going to be great. You know, there's some pockets that you can make the numbers work. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny. I, I I was looking at condos the other day. Um, that allow or that are just like annual rental like you mm-hmm. i'm just going to go put a tenant in there twenty five hundred dollars a month mm-hmm. you can buy condos still for 220 grand yeah so you're yeah, saying they, you, they actually cash flow so if you get a condo for 220 grand is that naples area yeah like i'm talking like closer to 75 okay um between 41 and 75 that block okay yeah you can find condos there that you can do an annual rental on and they actually cash flow so what what kind of expenses are you going to have there though? You're going to have condo fees, right? Yeah, condo fees factored in. Factored. What in the kind taxes. of condo fees are going to be like 500 a month? Uh, not even like most of the. It depends on the building. Like I've seen like so, up to 500 a month, but for the most part, I find them they're like to be 1,200 bucks a quarter, something like that. Okay, yeah. so it might be 400 a month, somewhere around there. But and then you yeah. got taxes. Most of the time, it's like 1,100 bucks a year. It's like ninety dollars a month. Property taxes are eleven hundred a year on condos of that price point. Yeah, yeah that's surprising. Like, I, literally, I'll show yeah. you a couple that I have on the computer that I've been like, kind of like on my save list, <laughs> and they're like, literally, that's. Well, let's let's run through like rough idea of numbers. Yeah. I don't think anyone's gonna steal your idea. No, no, I mean, <laughs> they can if they want. There's enough surplus. There's enough. <laughs> there's enough out there that you'll yeah. be able to get one too. Uh, I'm curious about this because yeah. Because Florida is one of those ones, like, I know people, uh, you know, say, you know, Florida is good for Airbnbs, it's good for flips, and I feel this way too. Long-term rentals, less good. Like, it's not that it can't work, it just doesn't seem as appealing. The only that. issue I see is, like, the capital appreciation of that condo. It's not going to be great. No. It's yeah. it's a cash flow only move. So, it's a 2500 a month, you think, annually? Uh, for rent, yes. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's... Let's just see where this goes. So twenty five hundred. That's going to be thirty thousand a year. Mm-hmm. Um, your taxes on that are going to be, you said, eleven hundred. Yeah, call it even twelve hundred. Okay, twelve hundred. Yeah, we'll be conservative. Yeah, why not? Yeah, um, insurance on something like that. I would do the insurance at like eighteen hundred bucks. Yeah, because the condo has its own insurance. Condo too, has right? its own insurance, but I know the yeah. insurance is still higher. So yeah, let's yeah. just throw it in. So. Uh, f- Maintenance wise, it's really just going to be paint and like the odd thing that breaks your furnace. Appliances, yeah. whatever. Maybe a thousand bucks a year on a unit. Maybe yeah, something okay. around there. I don't know. Whatever. Four or five percent. I'll leave five percent in there. Yeah. Uh, utilities wise, would you be paying or the tenant would pay? Tenant would pay. Tenant pay everything. But most of the time they're included in the maintenance fees, I've noticed. Down oh, there, yeah, cable, yeah. everything is thrown in. It's all just in. It's all thrown in. Electric too? Electric too. Like, yeah, my, like even my sister's condo right. is like, same thing. Okay, what do you, what would we be looking at for maintenance? Uh, oh, sorry, sorry, uh, management. My apologies. Management, uh, 
would you hire even, a manager or would you just I don't, I don't think I would hire a manager. Yeah. It's too much of a simple thing. Like, yeah. it, you know, if we got property management for major items, you, what yeah. do you, what do you, it's a fridge that's broken. You call. Yeah. I mean, if you're an experienced landlord, I mean, of course you don't want to be running around, but you have a team down there that could just help you out. Right. Yeah. Like I call that more insourcing. Like you're, yeah. you're, they're kind of working for you. You're not doing it yourself. Here, go put a 5% management fee to pay sure. yourself something. Pay yourself something. Okay. I like that too. When you build in, Hey, you're paying yourself here. Yep. Um, landscaping and there's no, no snow because that's all done it's all in the condo fee all yeah. in the condo fee i like that um okay so what's your condo fee gonna be so condo fees on the stuff that i've been looking at is like most of the time like i said like between 400 and 500 bucks somewhere around there um, a, a month, quarter a month okay or like yeah because yeah a quarter yeah. is about 1200 1200 most of the time because they charge mostly by quarter and it's okay. very funny they don't do monthly often interesting okay so we'll just put it in at six grand a year so yeah. that's that's the 500 a month um price point on that would be 220 you said two uh, there's one that i have right now on my sheet for 214500 before negotiating <laughs> <laughs> so uh surface level cap rate on that is 8.34 percent yeah so it's a, it's a cash flowing property and you know what i would just do like one of these um mortgage like these private mortgages most likely. okay so you you do like a 75 percent or an 80 percent can you get 80. i think they most of them for canadians they, they want, want like 30 percent 25 to 30. i think you could do 75 but yeah. with a condo maybe they want 30 yeah, percent down sure. so let's say you're going to get 70 percent. it's a cheap enough purchase that that extra little bit it's not a big yeah. deal and you do an amortized 30-year loan yeah okay uh it's uh like they're gonna be around eight percent right now they're eight percent right now yeah so but it's all not that a, considered yeah. that's pretty cool i haven't heard anybody um put that out there for what Florida. do you have on your numbers i got a 400 dollars cash flow a month thank you very much <laughs> 400 bucks and what was the initial investment and we were 30, we were 30, being pretty conservative there 30 okay. percent of 214 000, so 62 000. i'm working on it give me a second here so i got land transfer tax in here but the seller pays that down there Correct. So uh, we'll just delete that out of there. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so you got 60, well, and your your title fees are gonna be less too down there. So let's call it 800 bucks to close it, 65,000. So 65,000 in, that's a 16.39% annual uh, return if you are getting a 2% appreciation a year, which is very reasonable. In fact, I I don't know, like condos are obviously slower, but we just hit the bottom of, uh, you know of a current cycle of uh of property decline in values right yep, yep. it wasn't nearly as deep as what happened here in ontario correct but they had the same effect there just yeah. not as bad i think the big element to basically any capital appreciation you're going to see down there is cost of construction increasing yeah. because if all the new yeah. supply is just going to cost that much more yeah i feel like it's going to drive things up and correct. this is where i've been to and it's a philosophical thing and it's one that no one's comfortable speculating on this is why we were talking about speculation earlier because it's on my mind I, being in the business, I see the cost const cost of construction. I know that pool suppliers in Cape Coral are charging just arbitrarily like 30% more than last year. Yeah. Just all of a sudden, 30% more. Correct. And it happened overnight. So uh, I know that it takes time for the market to realize that. Yeah. So I have basically insider information of where the market will need to go because resale drives new construction, new construction drives resale. But when the market hasn't done it yet, hasn't realized it yet, I look like I'm speculating to act on the information. I think like there's calculated speculation too. Like, you know, I, yeah. like I take into account like the fact that like if any new inventory is going to the market, uh, what's it going to rent for on an annual basis versus mm -hmm. 
what you're rented for. You're always going to be like the cheap one mm-hmm. if you're buying a resale like this. Like yeah. this would be like a 1970s, 80s build condo. Yeah. yeah. Like you're saying that's not going to... Like what I'm trying to say is, is that the the rental rate is going to go up because it's just forced up by yeah. all the new supply. Oh, you're saying rentals will go up. I think your value gets pushed up too. Yeah. I mean, it almost has to because people are always looking for, well, what are my options? I'm yeah. looking at new construction. That's way too too much money. So now all a whole bunch of people say that and now they all become res- resale buyers. You know, and, and then they, then the demand for resale goes up. Yeah. Andrew, I was uh, literally showing a property this morning yeah. um, in Toronto and like stupid uh, commercial, like multifamily, um, eight and a half million dollars, 2.6% cap rate realistically. And it's just stupid, right? But yeah. my buyer goes to me and he goes, I had the opportunity to buy this building for a million dollars 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. So he says, "Am I gonna, in 20 years from now, am I going to kick myself that I don't put a reasonable bid in on it? <laughs> I think you might. You might. You know, but but it, this is going back to the same thing, right? But I don't think you get to kick yourself over decisions you made in the moment where at that time with the information you had, that was the best decision you could make. But he said to me, he says the rents were $600 20 years ago in this building. And what are they now? They're $2,000. They're, and there's where you start to see the increase. Yeah, no, of course. But is it proportional? Did the value go up proportional well, to the no, rents? Well, no, that would be four times and this that would be like eight times. But, oh, okay, you know, yeah, people so. are also looking at like, well, what's yeah. it going to be? And, you know, it's a solid neighborhood and there's like there's yeah. a whole bunch of... Well, that's all you. That's all everyone's doing in Ontario. Yeah. What's it going to be? What's it going to uh, be? Yeah, I mean, I never wanted to play that game, which yeah. is why I started looking elsewhere. But um, it, it has worked for a very long time in Ontario. Yeah. But how long can that really continue? I don't know. Like, that's a philosophical question, but... Uh, it just seems like we we kind of have to go go away from a from a society of of owners and turn into a society of renters. Um, a lot of people are speculating that. Right? I mean, that it just seems inevitable, right? Because now you need to be in the top five percent to own the average home in Canada. I think to buy the average home. Well, we're already in the bank of mom and dad for down payments. Yeah, yeah. Oh, way, way, way. We're like, that. I, I'm just saying, yeah. like, at, at what yeah. point does that also cease? Where does that, like, at what point is there just when not the boomers, enough? When the boomers are gone? I don't know. <laughs> How they're, much They're going to be got? dropping a lot of money, though. Yeah, they are. They are. And that's going to fund it. I, I, I hate yeah. to say it, but I feel like this yeah. is like the richest generation ever. Like, the, the current like, one? No, like the current boomers and like... like oh, yeah, have, yeah. Right? Like at the age rate, I've seen those charts too, right? Like what was the average wealth? Uh, like it, it was adjusted for, for inflation of like... Uh, baby boomers at certain ages and then millennials and yep. then Gen X and like it just goes less and less over time, right? So yeah, bank of mom and dad are big right now for yep. sure. Okay, so I mean that seems like a, a pretty solid opportunity. I wouldn't call that like a home run, but if you do a deal like that, now, now you have one more property in your portfolio that uh, comfortably cash flows. The only thing you got to watch out for is if expenses go way up and you know your condo f- you know does a special assessment and stuff. But if that's happening then it's probably happening for everybody else. And that means rents are getting well, pushed up too. It's probably related to the cost of water, probably related yeah. to the cost of insurance, and that's going to be across the board. Right. And I think that's something that a lot of real estate investors forget. And it, and it causes people to have paralysis when trying to make a decision is that if it's happening to you in the micro, if it's a macro effect, other people are feeling it too. 
And you can adjust your rent based on yeah. it down there. And Versus other people, here. Yeah. Do you? What are the rules with that down there? Like, I know it's way better, but I've never been a, a, a landlord down there yet. I've, I've talked to a couple of landlords down there and, and like, I, I, I don't know the specifics. I haven't gotten looking in the laws and looking yeah. into it too specific. But I've heard you can kick them out. It's like a couple of weeks. Like if people Yeah, but I mean, yeah. it, it's all on a lease. When the yeah. lease is up, there's the door. There's no there's auto no, renewal. There's no auto month like, to month. You agree no, on it, right? Otherwise, no, yeah, they yeah. leave. So, yeah. I mean, when so, the lease is up, this yeah. is the new rent if you're willing to agree to it. And As it should be. Uh, <laughs> if I, uh, I mean, around here, that's like a foreign concept, right? <laughs> like the land, landlords are the enemy and maybe they are down there too. Like obviously that mentality yeah. exists down there too, but it's uh, it's a lot further behind. Like there's a, it's a lot more landlord friendly down there and, and in many states. Yeah, but I mean, I, I think if you can just go to your tenant and be like, listen, my, my cost of insurance is doubled. I yeah. need to recoup some of that. I'm going to be reasonable with yeah. you. I don't want you to yeah. leave. I don't want a vacancy. Yeah. And I like, I love just being reasonable with my tenants. It's great. Same. Like you just talk to them. Hey, like this is what's going on. Can I, you know, can we have a chat and yeah. you talk through it and you work it out? Like, of course, when I post these shorts on <laughs> on Instagram, <laughs> people get a little upset. They One little segment out of context. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Naturally, I have to respond and yeah. Uh, correct them <laughs> as long as you don't get to reddit <laughs> yeah well you know matt was on yeah, here talking that. about it. he's he does uh he loves it he seems to love just trolling people back like if they say something he won't i find it humorous it really I is do. funny so uh yeah you can you can definitely have some fun with that so in canada here switching gears you're, yeah. you're doing some stuff here as well and um you know i'm doing stuff here too so yeah. I'm, I'm building my hospitality business up here i'm doing stuff down there um Tell me about what you're, uh, what you're yeah. doing here. So I have a commercial multi, uh, anyway, sorry, commercial multi-use building in Hamilton. Um, currently in the preliminary phase of trying to figure out what we're going to do with it. Uh, we're either going to go up a story and do a third, fourth, or we're going to um, potentially pull the building out and kind of widen the front of it. So we we're playing so around. You might demo it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a like downtown We might keep location? some of the structure. Uh, it's in East Hamilton, like off of Parkdale. Okay. So, um, but I mean, I, f I feel like that's, that's an area that is the last stop on the LRT line once that you do ever get it built. So. Okay. So you see some future there. It's mix yeah. mixed use right now. And yeah. what's the max number of units you figure you can get there? Um, like without even asking for special permissions, we're allowed six residential, two commercial. Okay. So like that's it, a fair number. So you're thinking about asking like, uh, like doing some sort of amendment or or no, doing site plan like approval within, within. But what if you wanted to do more? Would it be in the minor variance uh, uh, side of things, or so would you the be properties under inclusionary zoning? Yeah. So there would be, I guess, some more hurdles to go through. Yeah. But you know, it could be done. There's no reason why it can't be. Okay. Potential zoning amendment. Or, yeah. Okay, yeah. but that's obviously there's dollars and cents. Like, like attached to that what are you leaning towards doing with this um right now it's like a hold and potential okay. you know it's currently rented all fully re rented cash flowing yeah yeah it's amazing so cash this flow is probably. the best development scenario when you have something cash flowing. oh yeah no like and I, then you can I don't just even want to touch it because it makes yeah. money every month yeah but you know like there'll come a time like get all your approvals in place everything's ready to go and then one day you just have a conversation with the tenants and say when when are you able to get on out of here <laughs> well that's what it is right i mean yeah. and then like you know what we got the drawings like started to we got i had the whole building sketch got the survey done we're you know starting to design what we would do 
Um, I had the architect kind of run a few different designs and and the cash flow from the building pays for all that. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's all in like, you know, creating the perfect storm. That's a great scenario. Like if you can create it and sometimes it's not obvious how to create that scenario, but I just give you the simple math, Andrew. Yeah. 75% loan to value I got on the property when I bought it. Mm -hmm. And that's with a debt service coverage ratio of 1.25. Okay. So I'm 25% free-flowing cash after paying all my expenses according to yeah. the bank's calculation. Yeah, according to their... Yeah, that's true. Hey, that's a good way of thinking about it. Like, just dumb yeah. down. Like, instead of us going through mm-hmm. all the numbers, like, mm-hmm. just dumb down TD Bank commercial yeah. numbers. It's 1.25 DSCR. Yeah. And is it... Are, 75% you, low What kind value. of tenants do you have there for commercially? Uh, commercial, it's a catering company. Okay. Uh, they've been there for like 25 years. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And it's just one tenant one for tenant. the whole space? Whole tenant space. 3,500 square feet and then... Yeah two residential units above one two bedroom one one bedroom okay and then down the road it's potential six plus two six residential two commercial yeah and i would even if the current tenant wants to stay there i'm just going to design it so they can occupy both spaces currently Mm -hmm. but for the commercial element but uh that we could divide we could just separate it and have two signs and wow oh so you would you would give her one unit She's going to take both both units, but I'm going to have them. I have it's kind of already almost laid out the way I want it to be laid out. Yeah, where they can occupy both right now, but you could also I, separate it if if they wanted to scale down. Yeah, no problem. Here you go. Yeah, that's a that's a good good way of approaching it. So that's a super cool project. It works well for you right now. Yeah. Maybe develop it. Maybe don't. And then I have no pressure. Yeah, and then I have a residential project I'm doing, which is it's kind of cool. Like um. I found another property that was uh, out in the east area there of Hamilton, and it's a it was a single family home bungalow. Um, we're converting it to a duplex with an accessory dwelling unit, which is your laneway house in the rear. Mm-hmm. And I actually just posted the plans, so yeah, on Instagram. But, are you posted? Yeah, are you, posted, are you approved? Uh, like pretty much there. Like for so, it's the, already for, been submitted to the city. So the duplex is approved. We just yeah. took a, our time with the ADU because we yeah. were waiting for some bylaw changes. Is the duplex already? Um, is it already like built? Uh, the duplex we're underpinning the basement unit right now. Okay, this is just converting and converting. Adding yeah. yeah, converting, adding the basement yeah. unit to the yeah. to the bungalow, and then. Yeah. But it's nice because when you're doing it all at the same time, yeah. getting the laneway services is so easy now because we're digging down. We're ready there. Oh, you're already the underpinning from the outside. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. so it's like we can go in, we can yeah. I can have the guys run the drains, run everything. Yeah, right to the back. So you needed the uh what is it, Bill twenty three uh changes or was it something else? They already we had were thinking that we were gonna need it. But you didn't need it there. They seem to be no issues right now. Laneway houses. Well, because municipalities have been kind of uh weird about it. Cause it, it, even in London, um, they were saying, No, we don't we don't do that like even though like some because uh, i was included and this is on a property i sold because the buyer wanted to add a third unit and i was included on the email they're like yeah we're not uh we're not implementing bill 23 like, i don't think you have an option according to the way the legal no, yeah, legalities like, work i don't know i i, yeah. I don't know i've been yeah. to, like i had clients getting four units into a single family home in toronto mm-hmm. back in the fall of last year yeah and the city inspectors were just basically like, we know this is going to happen anyways, and it's going to be forced down our throats. So we're just letting it go through. Like before the, the bill was even introduced. Oh, yeah. They knew. Interesting. 
that's really interesting to hear. London's not like that. They're like, no, no, no. That's, and because the city no Toronto talent. wants the density. Yeah. They don't even like, yeah. it's, all, it's all density. Like as long as yeah. whatever we can get away with, we're going to push forward. Makes sense. I mean, if there's a place to do it, that's that's it. I and mean, Hamilton, I feel, is very similar. They like, want there the was, density. There was it? like zero hesitation. So they just allowed it. Yeah. So it seems um, like we should, we're just waiting for some of the here. issues with Hamilton in general. And I don't know if they've changed this, but they're like minimum square footage for a basement unit. Like that, that was a major hurdle, right? You, a lot of people had to go to for minor variances if they wanted to do like, if you didn't meet the 700 square foot minimum, I think it is. Um, we didn't. You didn't meet 700? We did not meet seven. No, we were it's like 690 or 680. It's, it's in that so ballpark. So we're close, we're yeah, close, in, but like. They didn't make uh, you do a minor variance? No, variants. the only stipulation on their regulations that I saw was that the basement unit must be smaller than the first floor unit. Yeah, and that's uh, that's one I've dealt with. And I think we're London two too. square feet smaller. Two, two square feet smaller. <laughs> All right. Well, that works. So this is a smaller unit. Yeah. It's, like, I mean, it's a two bedroom, in, 690 square foot unit. What can you rent that for? Uh, 2100. For a basement? Yeah. Oh my goodness, man. Things have changed. Yeah. But how much was that property to buy? Cheap. 440. Wow. Okay. And the conversion is going to cost you, what do you think? Uh, so to get the duplex done was about 140,000, call it. And then the to do the laneway house, um, I have a factor in it about 150 right now. That's it. But yeah, it's a really small design. So it's 390 square feet, um, flat roof, four walls, 10 foot ceilings, uh, one bedroom unit, uh, slab on grade, but engineered slab. So you're not digging huge footings. We're not doing any of that stuff. So oh, so it's just monolithic. Very monolithic. Yeah. You know, four walls go up and put a roof yeah. on. So the slab has no footings. It's floating. Yeah, yeah, it's like one of the, uh, they do like rigid foam underneath and it's yeah. kind of like, yeah. That's awesome. Engineered slab. That's great. Okay, so that's... Uh, it's very cost effective. Like I even looked into like going with like a container design and yeah. I was looking at container designs and they were 320 square feet because they're based on the container sizes. And they would basically take two containers that were like the shorter containers and they weld them together on site and they yeah, build the roof yeah I've seen that. Yeah, I've yeah. seen that. So I was looking at those and they were coming yeah. in around 120 grand. Finished. No, but so the design you're doing, it makes sense why that would be cheap to do. Yeah. Very simple roof structure. You're getting the services all out there. Like, I mean, you could heat that with a heat pump. Heat pump and electric heaters. Yeah, you need baseboard. electric heaters for the OBC. Oh, okay. So heat pump on its own is not enough. Yeah, and I think that's pretty good call because those heat pumps seem to go. We got one at our house is breaking all the time. But I mean, I think they're great. They're yeah, great source of, of uh, heat and cooling when they work. Yeah, we're using like the ones that we're using on the main house and we're going to use on the laneway house. They're the uh, Mr. Slim, but the they go down to negative 25 now. Yeah. So yeah, the technology is pretty cool. They And yeah. you can you can actually buy them on Amazon for like 1500 bucks. <laughs> like it's crazy. Uh, yeah. I think there's Senville here. And then Mr. Slim in the States. Uh, you have Mr. Slim here too? Yeah, the Mitsubishi Mr. Slims are here. Okay, interesting. Yeah, yeah so those those are super effective for anybody who doesn't know what those are. Like they can just do air conditioning and heat. Like it works in reverse to just, Correct. if you want to if you want to heat with it. Um, it seems like CMHC's on board with those. They really like them for efficiency. Everybody likes them, but everybody, I still wonder where we're going to get all the power to run everything on electric. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's it's not it's not wise, and and I think the the biggest thing is they're complex, especially yeah. the ones that can go down to like minus thirty, uh, because yeah. they have uh, I forget how that works, but there's a special technology in them, and the more tech you have, the more things can break. Correct. 
I like simple. Man, those old furnaces, like one of the houses I just sold, had a 35-year-old furnace in it. Still worked. Yep. Worked great. Didn't yeah. want to replace that thing. Yeah, I mean, and I listen, didn't. as long as it's not blowing CO2 or no. CO. Well, I mean, they had CO2, CO detectors. <laughs> you just got to get those detectors. But I mean, my point is like the older, the older stuff worked a lot longer. This high efficiency stuff breaks all the time. So, I mean, yeah, you want the high efficiency because you don't want to pay for the utilities, but you do pay uh, for the replacements as well. So I, I, I saw it when I was in property management, managing a lot of buildings that like have these, uh, these uh, multi... Um, the hot water tanks that, that are the tankless heaters that are also heating the building with. Oh, the boiler. The yeah. combis. Yeah, like, combi, yeah. It's just like they're breaking down like every year. It's just yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. And yeah, what happens when you can't get parts for that stuff? Like simple is the way, man. Yeah. Bring back fireplaces. <laughs> cast iron boilers. You <laughs> cast know, iron like, boilers. Cast iron like, boilers. Yeah. Yeah, man. Like a house I grew up in, while well, we, we were briefly lived there while well, my parents were building a new house, had a wood burning furnace. Like the oh, furnace, yeah. forced air furnace, but you, we'd stoke it up with wood at night. Oh, no I love way. that. Yeah. <laughs> Get me, yeah, bring me back to that. I'm, I'm all good with that kind of thing. Cool, so, cool. Um, so you got the 10 unit building going on here too, right? Yeah. So, um, so that's a family property. I don't yeah. own that personally. No, no. Okay. Make that very clear. It's, it's part of your uh, inheritance at one day, maybe. Well, let's hope. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Anyways. Yeah, I know. So it's like uh, eight, three bedroom units, mm -hmm. two bachelors um it's a ten thousand square foot building okay so and that's in like the heart of the toronto yeah and so we're kind of in there looking at it we just did a um or i just did a conversion for a or not conversion even a, a burr i guess you could say of a one or of a bachelor unit in there because we took a one bedroom unit we converted it to a really nice spacious bachelor it was like one of these like super sure. compact one bedrooms that yeah. just did not flow did not make right, any so sense. you just opened it up we opened it up like we made it a bachelor opened it up um furnished rental and we took that unit that was rented on a lease that was that nine hundred dollars a month mm. to twenty two hundred right now as a furnished rental as a furnished rental that's solid. I think in like in Toronto, is that like, like yeah, a it middle, was like it was I feel like cheap. that's almost low. Yeah. It was almost cheap, but like it was just like we had the right tenant lined yeah, up. There was no loss of rent. Yeah. They moved it like we were we were finished like a week ago, uh maybe a week and a half ago. They moved in before mm -hmm. June one and they paid us the prorated rent. It was like nice. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So that is is that the type of building where it's like your parents would just never sell it and you're just trying to help optimize We've it for them? We've owned it since 2003. Okay. And the goal with that building has always been like long-term hold. Yeah. Um, but it's like funny because we, I was saying this to you earlier before we went on the camera. Like we went into that building 20 years ago and we renovated most of the units. Yeah. They need to be renovated again. Yeah, I, I can't actually believe that I'm saying that, but it's like they need to be bird again. They need to be updated again. Because, yeah, the color schemes and stuff color don't schemes, work. Everything's aged. It's aged, like yeah. halogen lights. And well, like, and tenants like are hard on things like they, they, yeah. they make your especially if you if you had like uh, laminate flooring, that'll be destroyed. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing goes it's your countertops. Same yeah. thing. Yeah. So unless so, they're granite or quartz, even then they could be stained up. And so we have like yeah. we have like three bedroom units that are rented at like 1900 a month. Mm -hmm. It's like, these guys, we gotta get them out. We gotta go. So what would those be like closer to four grand? 
35 to 38 renovated just yeah. like you know lamp, uh, vinyl plank flooring just you yeah know, so there, you're gonna put in counters. like 15 grand into each one 20 grand into each one's square footage is like 900 square feet so by the time we do the flooring we do the kitchens the mm -hmm. bathrooms you, you you know those are those are fifty thousand dollar rentals yeah yeah okay by the time you all yeah if done, you want to do like nice you right? do something nice you could like, do a little bit of lipstick and slap some stuff no, down and, but, but you want to do it nicer yeah. you're not going to do that you're going to spend the money and just get well it if you want right. to optimize the rent and then you're going to plan to hold it long term and you yeah. get better tenants and you're getting you know, different class of people yeah like, well i've always know. done that i've always over renovated a, a little bit because i wanted to attract nicer people yeah and yeah. that i mean in the student game it worked flawlessly like we some of our tenants are like doctors lawyers that's what you want they just finished school they yeah. have three hundred thousand dollars of student debt yeah no problem come on over here your student debt is like interest-free so it's fine yeah, yeah, yeah just come over here yeah they're gonna be well to do they're you know you know that they're they're you busy know, they're busy and they're hard workers and they're just yeah they're gonna, they're pay not their gonna rent. be even yeah. in the unit they're yeah. gonna be at work just yeah. go to work yeah perfect <laughs> perfect don't accumulate things <laughs> they're not gonna have a dog because they're never home yeah. so yeah there you go yeah perfect tenant yeah, that's that's very true. Yeah, you want those professionals, and they're not going to be there forever either. Eventually, no. they're going to start a family. Their income goes up. That gives you an opportunity to raise the rents. Right. It's I love being strategic about what you own and how you renovate your properties, thinking about the the tenant you want. Because if you think about the tenant you want, I want somebody who turns over often. You you find that product or you make that product that will create that will attract that tenant. Yeah. So that's that's really wise. I like that. Um, all right, Francesco, anything that you wanted to share, you know, market wisdom, uh, something we wish you'd touched on uh, on this episode? You know, um, market wisdom for me is like, if you, somebody said this to me recently the other day, if you just like study something 80%, don't wait till you know 100% of yeah. something. Just like act on it when you know 80% because if you wait yeah. till you know 100% of a yeah. business or a business case or something you want to get into business with, it doesn't matter whether it's real mm -hmm. estate, whether it's opening up a coffee shop or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. If you just have 80% of the knowledge, act mm -hmm. on it and do it. Yeah. You're never going to never know. Never going to get anything done if you wait till you have 100%. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Get 80%. Yeah. That, that's basically what I've been doing lately. <laughs> 80% of the way there. And then you go. I, I jump into almost yeah. everything. And... Yeah. It's never faulted me. Yeah. It's not that it couldn't hurt, but I think that you have a lot of wisdom now, right? When you jump into yeah. things, you're you're jumping in with a lot of wisdom, which helps you react better. Yeah, but yeah. everything I've ever done, I have plan A, B, and C. Yeah. So if I can't short-term yeah. rent my Florida place, yeah, I do. can pay for the bills myself. Right. Or I yeah. have... I can annual rental and I can supplement. Yeah, you're not a one plan uh, guy. You know, yeah. no, everything has to have a multi-plan yeah. thing. And, and, you know, like I don't... Like with short-term rentals, like and I'll say this, like I can't, I don't know whether the policy is going to change tomorrow on whether you can run it or you can't run it or this or that. So I have to have that other option, right? And especially in Canada, if you're doing that strategy, yeah. Down in Naples Park, I feel like you set yourself up well. There's no no condo board there. There's no HOA. Um, yeah, but you never know. Flex. There is regulation. Naples we are could registered. We're already registered. Naples could regulate it. Oh, they they have yeah. regulation. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you have to be ready ready to respond and and adjust strategy. That's why I've always talked about that plan A, B, and C. Totally, it's uh, it's huge. Okay, so where do people follow you or reach you? Uh, and they can reach us anywhere on like LinkedIn, um, Facebook, Instagram. Um, it's at the Pareto Group, um, okay. and you can find us at www.paretogroup.com. 
Awesome. We'll include the information in the show notes. Thank you so much, Andrew. Thank you for Thanks having for me. Thanks for doing this. All right. It's amazing. Talk to you soon. There are a lot of people out there talking about the infinite banking strategy and whether or not it makes sense for them. To find out what it's all about and if it's a fit for you, visit controlandcompound.com forward slash Andrew Hines, where my audience can gain exclusive access to books, podcasts, and webinars tailor-made for real estate investors.